Hey everybody, today we have Matt Elder on the show. He's the former goalkeeper for Minneapolis City SC, one of the most prominent lower league teams here in the USA. He talked to us about what it was like playing for Minneapolis City and being a lower league player, what his day-to-day life was like, the transition from college to the semi-pro level, and his favorite moments of his career. So if you're at all curious about what it's like being a semi-pro player here in America, you came to the right place. Leave a rating if you like the episode, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another deep dive episode of The Final Third. It is our Thursday episode where we take a big look at an interesting topic in the world of soccer. And today, we're not taking a look at a topic. We're going to be talking to a specific person, a very special guest here. Uh, but before we get to that, my name is Jack. I'm a fan of Chelsea, Minnesota United, Atlanta, and the French and U.S. national teams. And I'm joined here today with AJ. Oh man, I thought I was going to be the, the special guest, but apparently not. Uh, no, I'm, I'm one of the co-hosts, AJ Tabura, fan of Minnesota United, West Ham United, U.S. national teams, and pertinent to today's episode, Minneapolis City. And Jack, can you explain why that's such an important uh, distinction today? I can, and that is because we are joined here today with a former Minneapolis City player and current Minneapolis City legend, goalkeeper Matt Elder. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very doing good. good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Today, we want to you know, talk to you, uh, let all the listeners know about you know, what your career has looked like with Minneapolis City and with MPSL as a whole and really get to know what it's like to be a lower league goalkeeper because you know you know there's a lot of lower league teams i can't imagine a lot of people can say that they played at at such a level for such a long time as you so we're glad to have you here yeah thanks for having me i look forward to it all right well are you ready to go through some questions uh to get to know you before we get into some uh questions more pertinent to minneapolis city and npsl are you ready for this yeah let's do it all right, so we like to, you know, kind of warm you up a little bit, get, you know, let the listeners know who you are. So first question, kind of just an icebreaker, but, you know, you live in Minneapolis, in this area, in the Twin Cities. What's your go-to restaurant? If you had to choose one favorite restaurant here, what would it be? That's a good question. Uh, I'm a big Runyon's guy. I think the wings there okay. are awesome. You know, that, that's really kind of their specialty. I mean, I think they do burgers or chicken sandwiches, but if you're at Runyon's, you got to go wings. All right. All right. Oh, there we go. Anyone that's in the, the Twin Cities area, go check them out. Uh, tell them that Matt Elder sent you. Yeah, there you go. How did you get into the sport of soccer? You know, were there any like teams or players you specifically watched or admired that really got you into it? You know, I, I started like I think a lot of kids do kind of playing all of the, the youth sports that you can, basketball, baseball, soccer, football, and kind of really took a liking to soccer. Um, it was kind of the one sport that that stuck throughout my childhood. And then, you know, obviously you don't have goalies at a young level. I, I don't think they're introduced until 11, 12, 13, maybe even. Um, so I was a kind of I was a field player up through. Uh, my freshman year of high school. And then uh, that's kind of right when Iker Casillas was in nice. his prime and, and fun to watch. And 
you know, being a shorter goalkeeper, you know, himself and just really relying on his footwork. And I, you know, I'm a five ten guy, so uh, I, I could appreciate that. And I kind of took a liking to the way he played in the goalkeeper position and made the permanent switch when I got to high school. Uh, if you had to play another sport, uh, what would sport would that be? I'd say just being from Minnesota, it's got to be hockey. Right. Yeah. Fair right. Enough, yeah. Would you be a goalkeeper for hockey as well? I hope not. Those guys are nuts. <laughs> Do you have any pre-match routines that gets you ready for the game? Because I've heard a lot of stories from goalkeepers having their own like very uh, superstitious routine before the game. You know, it's it's nothing too crazy. Um, I mean, like everyone else, I do have my superstitions. My left uh, cleats always go on before my right one. Same with my <laughs> shin guards, same with my gloves. Uh, but outside of that, it's just, you know, making sure your day kind of stays the same as best as you can. You know, your warmups and pregame stay the same and just trying to do everything you can to mentally prep. So as far as superstitions, nothing, nothing crazy, but I always get dressed from left to right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So beyond the superstitions and beyond making sure you dress left to right, what does it take to be a good goalkeeper? You know, how, how have you stayed at a high enough level to be the starting goalkeeper for a team throughout the past five years? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a few different things that go into it. One is just making sure you're at, you know, peak fitness and that looks different than you know it would for a midfielder or a center back um and I, I think you know for a goalkeeper your lateral movement and your first couple steps is really important more so than anywhere else on the field i'd tell you um so i you know my conditioning never had to be can i run for 90 minutes it was always how fast can i get that first step in and how fast can i change directions from left to right if needed uh, and then I think the other piece of it, because once you, you know, get to the college level, all of these goalkeepers are talented. Um, and I think what really sets, you know, the starter apart from maybe the rest is just your mental toughness, you know, not, not making mistakes, um, you know, make the plays you should and make a couple that there's no way anybody thinks you could make and then don't make a mistake. And if you can do those three things, it's really hard to to be replaced. Yeah. I, I, I do have a, a follow-up question on that. Uh, you talked about like keeping up with fitness, keeping that uh, peak fitness, how it looks different. There's obviously a lot of specific goalkeeper drills, I'm sure that you had to do in practice. So are there any, you know, now that, now that you're not playing uh, prof professionally or semi-professionally, I guess, anymore, are there any of ones of those drills that you just did not enjoy doing very much? Yeah. I mean, the older I got, the less I enjoyed hitting the ground. So there'd be, <laughs> there'd be sessions that, you know, you'd have to make four or five saves in a row and you're going from your left post to your right and you're hitting the ground on each and full extensions. And, uh, it never felt good waking up the morning after that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty funny going on beyond, uh, just goalkeeping. Let, let's talk a little bit about your time with Minneapolis city. Cause not only are you Minneapolis City's you know, former goalkeeper, but you are a, a pretty bona fide legend for the club. You've been at the club since the early PLA days, way back in you know, 2016. You lead the club in pretty much all important goalkeeping metrics. You have three NPCL North titles to your name and have led the club to several playoff and U.S. Open Cup runs. So now that you are stepping away from the game, how does it feel 
knowing that you'll be considered uh, to a lot of fans a legend uh, for this young club? Yeah, it feels good. I mean, it it was really special and good timing to be able to be, you know, where I was in my career when Minneapolis City started up back in, you know, 2015, 2016. And it's been really interesting to kind of watch how the clubs developed. I mean, I was, so I just graduated college and done with my college soccer at that point. In the summers, I was previously playing uh, for the Twin Stars in the NPSL. So I, I had a taste of, you know, what the National Premier Soccer League was like um, and, you know, what kind of that semi-pro system was like. So it was, it was just really fortunate timing for me that I was getting out of college, you know, still kind of in my prime uh, coming off of my senior season and uh, City was starting up and basically needed to fill a roster. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the landscape of lower league soccer is rapidly changing. Uh, Minneapolis City definitely is not a stranger to that. So from from the pa- fan perspective for for like people like AJ and I, you know, the club has changed immensely. But how has the club changed in your eyes since you've been there since like almost day one? Yeah, I think it's I think the club's done a really nice job of creating a professional environment. I mean, you know how it is within the semi-pro leagues. You have guys coming in and out, you know, for the summers because they're home for college and are making sessions when they can. Um, and, you know, you're going to away games maybe with like 13, 14 guys, whoever is available. I think City's done a really nice job of creating a, a very competitive environment where you have to be at training, you have to be at your best. And quite honestly, you want it to be because you were surrounded by so many talented Minnesota players. And uh, it really became, you know, kind of cliche, but it really did become like a team and a family away from, you know, your regular family. And and that's not always the way that the MPSL or the semi-pro teams are because you're only together three months. You have, like I said, you have guys coming in and out of the lineup uh, based on when they need to be, you know, back to college. So the fact that we were able to keep a core group of guys for the first, you know, four or five years of the club's existence, and then add the talent that we have throughout the years to kind of supplement where we need it. I, I think that's been really unique. And I think that's a lot of that is tied to the success that uh, we've had on the field. Nice. How about off the field? Like, h- how much have you noticed just the general fan base grow, like obviously uh, just this past season, Edder Nelson Field was, you know, a lot of times completely sold out. So can you can you speak to seeing how much that this team has grown off the field? Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, you know, our, our first season in the PLA, we were playing at Minneapolis South High School on a, a field of grass that, you know, was rarely mowed and was bumpy all across the pitch to getting into a true stadium like feel in the core of Minneapolis. Uh, and then, yeah, feeling the stands and it, it's when you're the owner of the club is a marketing director and has done marketing for his entire career. It, it You can see how he's been able to build the fan base, uh, you know, really through the marketing piece of it and it's his day job and background of that and like translate that into a passion. And it's, it's, really cool to walk out uh, the tunnel at Edor Nelson and, you know, look up and just see, you know, 12, 13, 1400 people in the stands cheering, you know, for the team. Speaking on that a little bit more, did, do you have 
a favorite win or just a favorite moment playing for Minneapolis City throughout the past five years? You got to have a couple at least. I, I do have a couple. Yeah, I think, and I'll, I'll touch on a couple because it's hard to just nail one down. Uh, but we, we got to host Oakland in the U.S. Open Cup at the National Sports Center. Right, yeah. Uh, right. F- fairly early on in the uh, you know, city's history. And that, that game went into overtime and that was a really fun experience to knock them off in overtime, uh, in Blaine on a, just a professional pitch at that point. Uh, so that, that's pretty, that was pretty exciting. And then knocking off Duluth this last year, six, one, yeah. uh, to, to seal the conference. I mean, that was kind of a statement game for us. And it's, it's pretty rare. You see, you know, a one and a two match up in the, in the standings and there's, you know, a five goal difference between the two of them. So I think that, that was a, that was a real good time for us. Yeah. Well, uh, what, one other question, you know, you're a goalkeeper, obviously. So do you have any specific, you know, save or clean sheet, uh, that you're just going to remember for a while? Yeah, there, there was one in, uh, in the PLA day, actually, uh, at the, uh, Madison 56ers and we were up three, two, and we were just absolutely getting dominated. We had scored on a couple of set pieces, but there was just, they were the better team. We had traveled. It was a hundred degrees. Um, we we had a short squad make the trip and, uh, I think we had like two subs and, uh, they had a corner kick as we were up three, two in like the 90th plus. you know, it was one of those where, you know, guy gets up over our center back, heads it down, and I had to reach back behind me and basically pull it off of the line. And it's one of those, you make the save, you don't even realize you made the save. It's just <laughs> like, oh, how'd, how'd that happen? Uh, but, yeah, that that's one that sticks with me. And I think if you ask some of the guys uh, that were there, that, that would be the save they tell you um, was the save of my city career. <laughs> nice, nice. Seems very impressive, you know. Uh, definitely saved saved a couple points there too so nice now that you are you know stepping away from the game hanging up the boots are you still playing to stay in the soccer world a little bit maybe maybe going into uh coaching or uh, joining the guys up in the commentating booth or are you gonna stick to just being a super fan in the stands for now i'll be around city for sure uh it's hard to walk away from that club entirely uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll pop my face into a few training sessions and see the guys and, you know, I, I still have a lot of friends that are still playing on that team. It's turned over a little bit, uh, over the past year or two, but yeah, I mean, I, I love the coaching staff. I love the fans. I love the players. So yeah, you, you can catch me in the booth for a game commentating or, you know, at a training session, uh, hitting balls at the goalies and, you know, for, for sure in the stands. All right. Well, if you're if you're going to be around a little bit a little bit more, is there anything you can tell us about you know the other goalkeepers that are coming up through uh, Minneapolis City because we got to see a little bit of of them uh, this past season for a few games. But uh, what can you tell us about the future of goalkeeping at Minneapolis City? Yeah, I mean it's in good hands for sure. I mean the, I think you know Troy has been a part of that team. Troy Luegi has been a part of that team for. I think the last four years, they all kind of blend together. But, I mean, he's as capable as anybody else uh, in the conference. And I, I, quite honestly, if if he wasn't on City, I think he's starting everywhere else. Um, 
so he they're going to be in real good hands there and then city always does a really nice job of uh farming guys and bringing in new talent um i know you know we had that future program i I think one of those goalies went off to St. John's and started as a freshman. So I think there's some talent there. I know they brought in the Augsburg goalie um, for a look, and I think he he's a pretty good goalie. So, yeah, I mean, I think there, there's going to be a healthy competition there. But all in all, I, I think uh, we're not going to go too far backwards. All right. Good to hear. That's what, that's what the fans want to hear, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's right. All right. Well, going into a, a more broader sense, talking about NPSL and just semi-pro soccer as a whole, you enjoyed a successful college career with UW-Superior, and some people, when they graduate or move on from college, they'll continue with soccer, and some other people will go chase other dreams. So what made you specifically want to continue at a semi-pro level, amateur level, after you finished uh, playing college soccer? I still, you know, obviously your days are numbered in college, right? You have your four years of eligibility and, mm -hmm. you know, when, when they're up, they're up, there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I, I was not quite ready to, to give up playing at a competitive level. I had a coach growing up that I think had a great comment or quote, and it was play as long as you can at the highest level that you can. And so that's, that's what I wanted to continue to do. Obviously getting out of college, you, if you're not going pro and paying bills that way, you have to find a career and um, the MPSL kind of allows you to, you know, work your nine to five or your eight to five or whatever it may be. And, you know, train at night, travel on the weekends and play. And um, I think the part of the reason that I played, you know, so much longer than I ever envisioned after college was, the environment that city created and just, it was just very difficult to walk away from. I mean, we were winning on the field. We were surrounded by a great group of guys. Training was always competitive and it just made for a really tough decision to finally walk away six years, seven years later. Yeah. Well, you, 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 you spoke on this a little bit. Uh, so, you know, you like many others at the semi-pro level have a full-time job on top of like, you know, playing with the team. So how were you able to successfully balance, you know, working that job while also playing with Minneapolis city? Yeah. Th thankfully my job is fairly flexible where I'm in sales and can kind of drive my own schedule. That's part one, part two, the, the city coaching staff is certainly very understanding. You know, we, we trained at nine to 11 at night, um, oh, wow. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, you know, that makes for a late night mixed with an early morning to start the week. Uh, but they, they were understanding if, if you had a work commitment and you had a client in town, you had to be out with, you know, for, you know, dinner and a game or, you know, you had a big pitch, you know, 8 a.m. the following morning. As long as you communicated with the staff um, why you couldn't make a session or an away trip, they, they were understanding and, and they didn't hold it against you. So I, I think it's just the flexibility of having a job where you can, you know, make those decisions and then just the understanding of the coaching staff to allow you to, you know, have the freedom to do both. Yeah. And, and, and do you think that's overall consistent with other lower league clubs or is that something special that Minneapolis city did very well? I think that the answer to that is both. I mean, I, I would assume most clubs because they're not paying their players right. have to find a, have to find a balance. Uh, I, I just think city did such a good job of basically managing expectations and making sure you were communicating and 
you, you just never felt, obviously you feel bad missing a session for your, your teammates and whatnot, but you just knew the coaches were going to understand if you were upfront and communicative with them. Yeah. Uh, and you know, before, but before this year, before this December, were there any moments in the last few years where you thought that you just couldn't keep, keep it up? You couldn't keep doing this. Like the time commitment might've been too much, or you had other personal things that you wanted to do and you wanted to step away and retire earlier. Like, were there any moments that come up in that sense? Yeah, going into 20, that was going to be my last season. And then mm -hmm. obviously COVID hit uh, and we didn't get a summer season. Um, and so that was that was a tough decision for me. Do I, because it is, I mean, it's a year-long commitment to make sure you're staying fit and you're getting into training sessions and uh, staying at the top of your game. And so that was, that was a tough decision. And ultimately what I decided was, there's no way I can, you know, let COVID or a pandemic take me out of the, you know, the game that I love and make me hang my boots up. I want to do it on my own terms. Um, so, yeah, I, I decided to play, you know, one more year. I wanted to go out on top, win another conference uh, trophy. And, you know, the goal this year was a national trophy. Obviously, we fell short of that, but we took another step, you know, further than we've ever been before. And so I, I think we, you know, help build a, a stronger foundation for the guys to take it to the next step, you know, this year and years to come. Yeah. I mean, you had, you had a great final season as well. Like you mentioned the, the conference title. And I believe you were also uh, at least in the NPSL North uh, best 11, but I, I think even the great lakes division best 11 as well, but uh, de definitely a, a great ending notes for uh for your Minneapolis city career there. Yeah, it was, I mean, that's what I wanted. It was positive to go out on top, you know, not go out with an injury or not go out being benched or, you know, in a losing season or whatever that would have, right. that, that would have made it uh, <laughs> a, a tough choice to retire if it was any of those three. Yeah. Well, walk us through, you know, the week leading up to a game. So we, you talked about, you trained like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, nine to 11 PM, but, uh, what did you do personally to prepare for a game? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it just depends who the game was against and, you know, when, uh, and it, it kind of, you know, evolved over the last five years. And the older I got, you just had to get smarter with what you were doing because your body, your legs just wouldn't recover as quickly. Um, and, and you had to make sure that you were ready. And while you're, you know, working your normal day job, it's hard to, you know, mix your routines and keep your body fully ready. But I mean, it, you know, for training sessions, we would always, um, you know, Monday we'd train hard and, you know, Tuesday would be more of a specific scenario, 11s or finishing or kind of whatever we needed to work on, you know, from what we lacked in the previous matchup. And then Wednesday was always kind of a walkthrough and then you're just supplementing you know, your personal workouts, whether it's a, a run or a, a lift or a yoga session to make sure you're loose and um, you're not sore from any of your previous sessions or workouts. Yeah. And, and how about uh, going to away days and preparing for that? Because, you know, we've had the head coach, we had the owner on. And as far as I know, you guys never took 
uh, or rarely took a coach bus. It was uh, mostly traveling by van or just by uh, car carpooling. So uh, how was traveling to, you know, sometimes just across the state in a car like for for you? Yeah, it, I mean, it's it's hard on your body. It's hard on the legs because, you know, you're sitting in the car for three hours and not moving your legs. Uh, but I think, you know, the staff did a nice job of making sure we were leaving early enough that allowed us to make a stop halfway through, get our meal, get our legs going, get a stretch in, um, and then get us to the field early enough where, you know, we still had an hour before we had to start warmups to take care of whatever we needed and kind of get the blood flowing again. Nice. And how about in general away days? Did you have any uh, away day, another stadium that you looked forward to uh, playing in? I can think of like, maybe you look forward to playing in Duluth or anything else uh, come to mind there. Yeah. that I mean, that was the one I always circled, you know, they played at public school stadium for their home field. Uh, when I was up in superior, uh, our grass field was getting redone my freshman through my junior year. Uh, they had some issues with flooding and all that fun stuff. So we ended up, our, our home field was also public school stadium. So every time we got to go up to Duluth and play on that field, it was basically my, my college home field. So oh, wow, I, nice. I, I always loved going up there and playing there. Yeah. That's how that, that sounds awesome. Probably brought back some great memories to you. Uh, <laughs> so speaking of memories, you know, what was the best part of playing in the NPSL? You know, uh, are there any specific things that you really loved about playing in that league? Yeah, I, I'd say it was competitive from top down. Um, you know, if you look at from 2016, our first year in it, up until our last year in it, uh, and you look at the top two, it had changed, I think, every year. Um, we were on the outside looking in in year one. I believe it was Duluth and then uh, Dakota. And then we had got in there um, in the top two, I think, with Duluth. And then Med City cracked the top two when we won our conference for the first time. And um, so it, there wasn't an easy game with, I'll say, the exception of going to lacrosse uh, and playing Aris. Although we dropped points to them a couple of years back and <laughs> zero, zero drop. Uh, but yeah, no, it was every game was always competitive and you, you couldn't take anything lightly. And, um, you know, when Sioux Falls got added in, they were able to steal points from, you know, a Duluth or a Med City who were on our heels. So it was just, it was always competitive and you never knew where the other results were going just because everybody was so close. Um, and, you know, as a guy who wanted to like prove I was the best and our team, we wanted to prove we were the best. It was nice to, you know, have to grind out one zero two one kind of wins um, and just, you know, not take for granted we were going to get three points. Nice. All right. Well, going off that a little bit, uh, now that you are concluding your career, what has playing the sport of soccer and playing at this level really taught you on a personal level? A little sentimental, but, you know, I, I feel like a lot of athletes, you know, take something uh, away from the game that really sticks with them for the rest of their life. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, working through adversity. Uh, every athlete, no matter how long you play or at what level you play, you're going to see adversity, whether it's, you know, your coach and you not seeing eye to eye on some sort of playing style or a serious injury that you have to fight back from, or, 
you know, not getting a start when you thought you deserved it. And, and you just, you've got to find a way to figure out how to work through that. Because if you can't, you're not going to get anywhere. And I, I think that translates really well from, you know, whether it's a soccer field, a basketball court, you know, a, a hockey rink, any athlete that can find a way to overcome adversity in, in their sport is going to be successful in life. Uh, because, you know, everyone faces adversity, you know, whether it's sports related or not. And so that that was something that, you know, I, I definitely want to take from my playing days and, you know, my time as an athlete into the real world, just always being able to work through adversity. Yeah, that's that's a great message, no matter if uh, people are playing soccer or not, always looking to overcome adversity. Uh, so uh, an, another question for you here. Uh, so soccer, you know, we call it the beautiful game a lot people dream of playing soccer in front of hundreds of cheering fans at every level no matter what level it is so now that you're retired what has the opportunity to play at this level meant to you yeah i mean it's meant a lot and that's part of the reason that i played as long as i did and i really cherished it um you know it, to play the game is one thing and to you know be competitive and love to win that's one thing but to be able to do it for, you know, the fans that we have and know that if we lose, they're actually going to be upset. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I am watching, you know, the golfers or the wild or the Vikings. And uh, it, it puts another spin on it where it's, it's really easy to get up for a home game when you've got a thousand people there, you know, cheering you on. And um, you know, just the, that game against our last game that we got knocked out of the national tournament against Cleveland. Like when we hit the, I mean, we hit the crossbar three times. I mean, I think St. Paul could hear the moans from our fans. Yeah. So, you know, when we scored and it got called back, it, it just, it lights a fire under you. And uh, it just, you know, it speaks to what city's done to create such a great atmosphere for the players to be a part of it. Uh, it's definitely something I'll never forget. Yeah, it, it, it was a it was a beautiful moment, you know, bittersweet to have it end. But it really shows you how much uh, the fans really matter, even, you know, at the semi-pro amateur level. So, well, you know, thank you for being here. We have one more question for you uh, before we let you go. Uh, we have, you know, being a, a college student led podcast, we do have a lot of fellow college students, a lot of them. Uh, soccer athletes playing at the the college level so if you had to give a piece of advice to someone that was about to graduate from college soccer and maybe wanted to continue playing at the npsl or usl league two level what piece of advice would you give them just work hard and be confident uh, i think it's anybody that can play four years of college soccer has the talent to go on and play for an MPSL team or make a roster. Um, and I, you'll see, I mean, at city, we were 50 deep, you know, for our, our MPSL team, our UPSL team, our under 23s. I mean, we'd have 50 to 70 guys at trainings and, you know, on the rosters and what really separated the, you know, the 18 guys that made the game day roster for the, the senior team or the top team wasn't necessarily they were much more skilled than the other other guys. They're just more confident and they trust themselves. And if they make a 
make a mistake, they're able to, you know, work through that. And it kind of touches back to that adversity piece, but just be confident in your own ability, be willing to make a mistake and just outwork everybody else. And if you're confident and you're, you're the hardest working person out there, uh, good things are going to come. Good advice. Good, good life advice uh, too. I I would say really. Well, uh, Jack, do you have any other uh, questions to ask before we, we let him go? No, I, I, I think this has been a, an awesome interview to get to hear from you about, you know, everything in Minneapolis City and your career about the NPSL. It's always great to have another perspective on this because, you know, as much as AJ and I love talking about this, uh, we can't say that we've actually played out there in front of in front of uh, hundreds of people. Uh, so it's it's always great to hear that perspective. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was awesome to talk to you guys. Yeah, well, Matt Elder, thank you for coming on the podcast. We uh, hope to see you in the stands the next season. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Once again, thanks to Matt Elder for hopping on the podcast and talking with us. He was great to have on, had some great insight uh, and great advice for any players who are looking to get into semi-pro soccer. So, uh, yeah, it was a great time. AJ, do you have anything else to add on that? Yeah, I mean, he was the first player that we've ever had. Well, I guess former player now. So it's good to, you know, just ask questions, really probe his mind and see what it's like to be a lower league soccer player playing for Minneapolis City and more broadly playing in the National Premier Soccer League. So really glad that he was able to join us overall. Yeah. Well, Jack, now that we are ending the podcast episode here, a nice short one. Actually, I don't know how short it is. I haven't really popped in the the editor yet but where can people find us on social media to learn more about potentially lower league soccer well you can search on twitter at final third show uh we post a lot more on twitter because you know it, it it's a little bit easier for us to quick put out some uh, hot takes on there yes you know you can see when aj and i are clearly watching soccer games at the same time and tweet <laughs> at the same time Sometimes the same thing. Sometimes the duality of man appears and yeah. uh, you can you can try and figure out which one of us tweeted it at that point in time. It's a fun little game. <laughs> you can also follow us on Instagram. Final third show. Uh, we post uh, our information about new episodes on there. That's where you get to see the fanciest of graphics that we've yes. got. So uh, if you want to see those in all their in all their glory, that's the place to check it out. Yeah. And if you want a, a, just a, a nice hub for all of your episodes you know, where to watch them, check us out, finalthirdshow.com. That will take you to our podcast website where you can look at all the podcasting platforms that you can listen to us on, potentially review and rate us on them, which is something that you should definitely do. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict. Just give us a rating. It means so much to us. Yeah, and tell your friend about the show. Tell your dad about the show. I'm sure he would love to learn about the National Premier Soccer League and lower league soccer as a whole. We'll see you guys next Monday for a very, very special uh, news and predictions episode. And we'll see you same time, same place next Thursday. See ya. Bye for now.